Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. So how many of you remember Good Morning Church? How many of you remembered to wear your tennis shoes this week? Yes, some of you did. Amen. Some of you did. Well, I'm glad you did because you're probably more comfortable. We took a walk last week. Uh, We're not taking a walk today, uh, but still again, I wear my tennis shoes more weeks than I don't. Um, But we took a walk in Ephesians chapter 4, and we were learning what it meant, right, to walk worthy of our calling. Our calling um, and salvation in Christ Jesus, but also our calling to live worthy, right? To walk, to my conduct, my behavior, where I live and what I do, to walk worthy of the calling that I have received. And we talk about how we do that. We talk about why they do that. And I'm not going to preach it all over again, and you'll be really glad. Um, But that's where, so, but we take this walk, and it leads us right up to one of the most exciting passages in the book of Ephesians, uh, and we're going to talk this morning about spiritual gifts. But i got to be honest with you. First, because it's so much fun, I'm going to ask all our kids, hey, kids in the back, kids in your chairs, here, come right up front here for just a minute. You don't have to say anything or do anything. You just come up here, and you get to be my, we're going to talk for just a minute. Yep. Here, just come right on up here. You can sit or stand, whatever you want, because we're not going to be up here that long. How many of you, how many of you like to get gifts? Yes. Who's the best? Diane raised her hand too. Who's the best gift giver? Santa, you are? Your mom, your dad? Who's your best gift giver? You're the best gift giver. Oh, okay. I like that. Are you the best gift giver? Your grandmom is the best gift giver. I like that because I'm a grandparent too. Who gives you the best gifts? Mommy does. You go, mom. How about Santa Claus? Does he give good gifts? Yes. Who gives you the best gifts? Mom? Who? Your dad? Yes. Okay. So everybody likes to get... Does anybody not like gifts? Thank you. I'm glad, all right? So I like to give gifts. I like to receive gifts. I get to give a gift later on today to one of my grandsons. But for you guys today... I have a gift that I'm going to give each one of you, because you know what? It's a really cool thing that God, God gives us all great gifts. The greatest gift he has ever given us is his son, Jesus, who loves us very much. And since we're going to talk about gifts in church, I just thought it would be terrible not to give each and every one of you a gift today, okay? So guys, I'm going to try not to give you like a pink girly, um, huh? No, we don't. Uh, absolutely not. But a gift for you. Oh my gosh, I like him. Oh, I don't know. Here we go. Oh my goodness, I love the penguins at the Baltimore Zoo. They are my favorite at the zoo. Huh? Oh, oh well. I thought it was a thought it was a penguin. Hey, I like that. Okay, toucan sand. Baltimore hood rat. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Blue bear for you. Oh, oh, here we go. Didn't forget you, my friends. Oh, my. I don't even know what that is either. 
Was, huh? Oh, woof, woof. All right, just for you. Squirrel. Okay, guys, so, so just remember today, when you go back to color or to sit back down, the greatest gift that we can ever that we can ever receive is a gift of love from Jesus when we become a Christian. So today we're going to talk about the love of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus gives us other gifts after that too. All right, guys, thank you so much for being fun today. Yay! All right. And so, adults, sorry, no beanie babies. You did not see. Okay, okay. All right. Um, no beanie babies for you today. Hey, so Anthony read our scripture this morning. And honestly, if you need to take a nap after the children's illustration, you've heard the most important part, right? The greatest gift, the greatest gift, but, and, and we do, right? We, we, we exercise, we participate because my gift is not a gift unless you receive it, right? So when God offers us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, we participate by saying, yes, Jesus, be my Savior. Forgive me. The greatest gift that we could give today is that someone would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So um, somehow, in the mess that I made on paper today, we're going to go to our next slide here. And today we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about God's graciously giving gifts. God is graciously giving gifts. I know I did that, right? All in one slide, right? My alliteration is all gone now. God graciously giving gifts to his children. Anthony read the scriptures, and I won't reread the scriptures, but we're going to talk about five or six things this morning. And I know I promised two or three of you that I was going to hone my discourse and keep it simple, so I've already made myself vulnerable. <laughs> but if I talk too long, I'm going to be in trouble today. But I love to talk about the spiritual gifts um, passages. And we have one here in Ephesians chapter 4. And it is also, it is couched or it is bathed in this idea of unity and love in the body of Christ, so the church. Big church universal, right? Everyone who believes in Jesus. But it plays out and works itself out in the local church, right? If you're a member of graffiti or you attend here regularly, we call you, you, me, we are the body of Christ here at East Baltimore Graffiti Church. And so God has given you a spiritual gift if you are a follower of Jesus. A couple of things about these gifts that are really simple but really fun. One, one, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, God has given you a spiritual gift. Um, so every believer has a spiritual gift. No believer has all the spiritual gifts. I know some who think they do. Yeah. So, so every believer has at least one. And the reality is that you probably have, based on how God built you, you probably have a, a dominant spiritual gift. It's just kind of how God built you and made you, and then he gifted you as a follower of Jesus. And it is how God wants you. He wants you to use your gift, and we're going to hear this in a few minutes, to serve the body of Christ. So you get to celebrate your relationship with Jesus by using these gifts, and the primary use of our spiritual gifts is, is serving the body 
of Christ, right? But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, um, next slide. How are these spiritual gifts given? Now, in verses, um, in verses 7 through 10, we're going to talk about that. And there's a lot we could say about Paul's quote of Psalm 68, uh, 18, I believe it is. As a matter of fact, Paul misquotes it. He misquotes it intentionally. And that's not the only time that one of the disciples used an Old Testament reference for their, pur for their purpose in the New Testament scriptures. And, and we're just not going to spend a whole lot of time there. I'm just letting you know I'm aware of it. Uh, I'm aware of it, and I'm really behaving myself this morning. And by the way, Psalm 68, if you go to study Psalm 68 um, and, and the poetry and in its depth, there, it's one of the most difficult psalms to work with in the entire book. And I have not done it yet, so project for me later on. So, but how then, how these spiritual gifts are given? If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has a spiritual gift for you. And it's interesting to me, and I've been um, curious about this, um, it says he gives, given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And I thought I understood what that meant. And I said, well, Jesus, that doesn't sound fair. You give me the gift of, of teaching, or you give me the gift of, of pastoral ministry, right? Um, we're going to talk about that one in a minute. Um, um, what the role of an apostle, the gifting, the gifting of an apostle is. Um, but you gave my friend, I met some great pastors this weekend. We held a vision tour. Graffiti hosted a vision tour. Brother Robert here. Make sure you meet Pastor Robert over here. Uh, he's from way down North Carolina, and he is part of the tour team that came up from North Carolina. We met a lot of pastors this week. A lot of them, I knew their names, but I didn't really know a lot about what they do. And I said, wow, these guys are really gifted pastors as I was hearing the ministry that God placed on their heart, how they were loving people in their communities just like we are, how they're serving people in their communities just like we are. But guess what? They do it differently than I do. And a couple of them, a couple of them, not all of them, but a couple of them, I think they probably do it a lot better than I do. I'm not hating, but no. So, so no, but what I'm saying is, right, we listened to Derwin Gray in, in Bible study today, right? And, and, and he's like a great teacher of the Word of God. You could almost be jealous, right? God gave him, God took that, that measuring cup and filled it way up with preaching and words and everything, and he dumped it on Derwin Gray. And he got to be an NFL football player. That's just wrong, you know? <laughs> but God gave him that gift, and so he's a great teacher. And so God has given you this certain measure of A, and probably more than just one, but of a spiritual gift. And whatever amount he gave it to you and me in, he knows, he, he already knows um, how he's purposing for us to use it. So he knows what amount to give us. So it really is fair, right? So for a long time, I said, Jesus, come on, man. I want a little more. He knows just me. But why? So I look good. So I feel good, right? God knew how much of each thing to give to each one of us. So like a small child, I had to work that out in my mind. But I love the picture of the measuring cup. And let me tell you something else about a measuring cup. Uh, I'm not much of a baker, right? I can throw some food on the grill and I can cook. I can do a little mm-mm and mm-mm and it tastes all right. But when you go to bake, you better be putting the, the right amount of flour or the right amount of this, that, or the other because it's, it's precise. And when your project comes out of the oven, it may or may not be edible based on how well you use that measuring cup. God knows, 
God created you, created me. He mixed it all up. He put us in the oven. And when we come out, we come out. So God knew how much to give us, right? I mean, that's fun when we think that God knows us so well. So your spiritual gift, he knew which gift to give you, and he knew how much of it to give you and me. So I'm cool with that now. But again, I had to work it out, right? There's another thing we see here in verses 7 through 10, and uh, is unity and diversity. And this is what you're going to see. We keep seeing in the book of Ephesians that I keep getting excited about. Verse 6, right? We talked about this last week. He said, say y'all. Y'all. I, I lived in Chesapeake Beach, so I kind of picked that up a lot about 30 years ago, and I say y'all. So Paul's talking to the church in verses 4 through 6. And he said, y'all, we're all called to one hope. Y'all, we're all called to one Lord. Y'all, it's um, Tautu in the Greek language is y'all. You were one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over us all in all and through. He's talking to everyone, right? But then in verse 7, he says, but to each one of you. So we all share one faith, one Lord, one Jesus, one baptism. We all share that, but you are also uniquely gifted by God. Just like your fingerprint is different than mine, just like a graffiti, we celebrate that we don't all look the same and that we don't all come from the same place. Paul taught us about that in the previous chapter, so I'm not going to do it again today. I see it's several happy faces. So, but unity through diversity, and that's we're seeing that here in verses 7 through 10 as well. Paul goes from y'all to each one of you. So each one of you have been given the measure of your spiritual gifts. And then we're going to see in the next slide, I grayscale my, uh, you don't need to know all that, but oh, thank you. I would have missed that. What is, what is charisma? Because we are given to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. When we think of grace as getting God's, um, God's unmerited favor in salvation, right? I don't deserve my salvation, but I get it because of God's unmerited favor. That's grace. But this idea of grace being given to us in these gifts is charisma. It's, we get that word charismatic. If someone is a charismatic leader, I think of, I talked about this yesterday, I think. I talked about our new governor, Wes Moore. He's a charismatic guy. When he walked down Greenmount Avenue uh, last year before he was elected, we were having serve tour, right? And so he came over to the park because there was lots of people and he's a politician. He came over to the park. Dude is smiling from ear to ear. I guarantee you he shook a hundred hands and he had a conversation with everyone that he possibly could before his people made him, dragged him out of the park to walk back down the street and he's genuine in his conversation. He looks you in the eye. He is, a, when you, and when he speaks, he genuinely likes people. And so I think of him as a charismatic guy. He's a charismatic leader uh, in the state of Maryland. Sometimes in our churches, we say we have a, charis a charismatic church because, um, because they celebrate Jesus and they stand up, they don't sit down. They may shout in church or jump over to chairs. Why? Because they're excited about their faith in Jesus. Charismatic. We are given these, this charisma, um, these gifts from Jesus that we also should, and I believe, celebrate 
who God built you to be, celebrate how God built you. And I don't want to misuse the purpose of the word there, but yet we have this idea of charisma. We talked about unity and diversity, and we talked uh, in a moment we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, the gift giver, but I neglected something. If you went to Romans 12 to the other gift passage, and you can go there, or you could just listen. I don't have slides. But we talk about unity and diversity. Um, I think Paul does an even better job of it in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That's unity and diversity. That's what Paul's talking about in the spiritual gift passages. And I will also go and read to you 1 Corinthians 12, 4, and 6 that says something similar. And again, more of the Word of God, less of my words. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Lots of spiritual gifts, same Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So again, we have this unity and diversity in the body of Christ. God, that is the beautiful thing. Remember when he talked to Jews and Gentiles in the last chapter? Those of you who were nearby and those of you who were far away from Jesus, he has brought you all together. Watch this, Jews and Gentiles who hated each other. Different religions, different cultures, um, depending on where they came from, they looked very different from one another. Certain people weren't even allowed past the gates of the outer court of the Jewish temple because you were not Jewish. I would not have been allowed to go in to the temple. There, were even a, there was even a special hatred between Jews and half-Jews. And I won't even go there this morning. That's dangerous territory right there. And, and yet God said, those of you who are far away and those of you who were nearby, you are all brought together in the body of Christ. So there's this beautiful thing that God is doing. That is our, our unity without losing our diversity. Our diversity is God-given as well, amen? You are, each and every one of you in this room that can hear my voice, you are created in the very image of the God who loves you. Next slide. I don't think I overdid it there. Uh, and so in verses 8 through 10, we see uh, Paul is talking about the gift giver. This is where he quotes that challenging verse from Psalm 68. And I won't reread everything again, but what it basically says is that Jesus Christ is the one who is qualified. The Bible says in those references that I, that I did not put on the slide, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the one who has all authority, both in heaven and earth. The other verse would have said that Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, Jesus Christ is the one who has the power to give us those gifts. Jesus Christ is the only one who, because he was with God in the beginning and he was creating, Jesus is the one who is qualified. Jesus Christ, the gift giver, 
is what verses 8 and 10. He made himself a man, laid aside part of it was like to be God and came to earth and lived here so that he could experience the sorrows and physical life that we live. So that he at all points, except for sin, Jesus Christ was perfect, lived a perfect life here on earth, did not sin. He lived here on earth. He died and then he rose again. So Christ ascended and he descended. And yes, some talk about the fact that when he descended into the lower parts of the earth, is it symbolic or is it physically that he, that he conquered hell and he conquered death when he did that? But I think here, and you can correct me later if I'm wrong, we're going to keep it simple today and say that when Christ descended, he came down to earth to live among us. Conquered sin and death, died for our sins, and rose again and ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is our qualified, authoritative, powerful gift giver. Amen? And so here is Jesus who loves you and saves you, and he wants you to have these spiritual gifts. And next, we're going to see here, oh, there's authority. I did have my slide. Never mind, my slides went dark when I printed. Here's authority right there. You see it, good word there. And then we have power. All right. I was telling you the truth. It is there. If you're taking notes, um, if you're taking notes, that is good. Let you get that before I say next slide. Next slide. In verse 11, we're going to talk about the gifts given. And the gifts that he mentions, the gifts that he mentions are only a handful here, less in Ephesians than in Romans and 1 Corinthians. He talks about a lot more of them. And also the most controversial, the ones that Christians argue and fuss about the most. And again, I'm going to keep it simple this morning. I hope I don't disappoint you. Remember, if you want to have a deeper conversation about prophets and apostles, you can buy me lunch and we'll talk about it all afternoon. Amen. But, but, but here we go. We are going to continue in the word of God here. It says he gave some as apostles and prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So, so the role or the gift that an apostle was given was in, first of all, there were three kinds of apostles. Uh, I'm going to do this thoughtfully so I, so I don't get in trouble. There were those who walked with Jesus Christ physically during his ministry. And then there was Paul, the one who said he was just born at the wrong time. The Bible says, and Paul did meet Jesus on the Damascus Road, but not physically when he was alive. And then there are the rest, the third group of what I believe, um, the gift of, a, the, the gift of uh, apostleship, and I want to be even careful using the word, um, is that of... One, one who teaches the word of God and goes to new places um, where the gospel may not be given yet and starts churches. So the apostle, the role of an apostle in the New Testament was that they shared the gospel and started churches, um, and led and started churches in the New Testament. And say, well, pastor, what do you really think about apostleship? I believe that... The New Testament apostles who walked with Jesus, um, I think that their role as apostles was a limited role and that, um, that that office, because we're talking about gifts here and I want to make the distinction, we're not talking about the office. 
We're talking about the gifts. Some of you may have been given the gift that an apostle would have to teach the Word of God or start new works like church planting and establish churches. So a, a good example would be like a church planter, right, might have some of that gifting. Also in 1 Peter chapter 5, when um, Peter tells the elders to shepherd your flock with great care. Remember in, in John chapter 10, Jesus is called our great shepherd, okay? Um, I sped ahead. Forget I said that. You know, in the courtroom they said, don't, yeah, forget I said I'm speeding, forgive me. Deep breaths. Okay, so you say, well, what about the role of apostle? Church down the street, apostle so-and-so. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything controversial or pro provocative, but I believe the role of the apostles in the New Testament was a limited role. I believe you can have those gifts and you could be one, um, you could be one who teaches the word of God um, and starts new churches and have that type of ministry. So I think that New Testament definition of apostle, um, I can't, my slides blacked out. My printer went geeky on me. Thank you. Very good. I can move on now. Next slide. And we're going to talk about the prophet as well. So the prophecy, this gift of prophecy, one who is endowed by the Holy Spirit with the gift of prophecy for the purpose of edification, right? Comfort and encouragement, and to understand and communicate the mysteries and revelation of God to the church. I believe that is the role of prophecy. And you say, well, Charlie, what about telling the future like the prophets in the Old Testament? Um, I believe that that role had several qualifications, one of which that if you were ever wrong, you were to be killed. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so I think of many nowadays who call themselves prophets and they've been wrong about several things that they predict, uh, which means we would harshly call them a, um, a false prophet. Um, but another thing I believe, if you read Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, I believe that that role the role of a prophet is that which you read up there, one who exhorts, expounds, encourages, and edifies a body of believers, breaking out the word of God. The God gives a prophet insight into the word that the prophet is then to share with a specific group to whom God leads him. But I do not believe currently that that role is a role of, of predicting future events. Because if I read Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it tells me that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that and that we have the full canon of Scripture, the Word of God, both Old and New Testament. Therefore, I believe that God is not giving new revelation to individuals um, to then expound to the church. I did that halfway decent, so if you were paying attention, I don't think I can say that well again. But the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy here, and there is that gift, and you may have it, to exhort, encourage, lift up, and comfort Christians by the insights that the Holy Spirit gives you as God's man or woman, okay? All right, next slide. Um, the temptation is to just keep it, and, you know, I just want to hone your discourse. 
Uh, and then we see here evangelists as the next gift, right? Jalen, who is, has been a member and is a friend of graffiti, Jalen is an evangelist. Jalen will go anywhere at any time and share the gospel. I'll go down to North Avenue and Greenmount. I will give Jalen the bullhorn. Dude does not run out of air. The batteries will run dead before Jalen does. The batteries in the bullhorn. Why? Jalen is an evangelist. He wants people to know Jesus. Jalen will preach all day long, hoping that someone hears something that causes them to come to Jesus Christ. Then evangelism is not necessarily, you don't have to go across the world to be an evangelist. You might live in Baltimore City and God says, brother, sister, fill in the blank. I want you to be an evangelist right here where you live. I want you to go everywhere, but your everywhere might be Baltimore. Your everywhere might be Zimbabwe. But going everywhere, both inside and outside the church, preaching the gospel. I love evangelists. I like to have them in my church. I'm a pastor. I like to shepherd people and teach the word of God. But evangelists, evangelists will hold you down and tell you the gospel until you accept Jesus. No, I'm just... I shared the video. Derwin Gray was an NFL football player, and he did a video a long time ago because he likes to talk to youth. It's called Evangelism Linebacker. If you've never seen Evangelism Linebacker, go home. Don't do it now. Uh, I'll be sad. But uh, Evangelism Linebacker, Derwin Gray, you'll get a big kick out of that. Um, but it gives you a great, you know, um, what do you say, a humorous, uh, a humorous but informative take on evangelism. Yeah, good stuff. Next slide. So we're still in verse 11 here. And this pastor-teacher gift here in verse 11 is given together, and yet um, it's given together for a reason, and yet they are distinct gifts. I think anyone who calls himself a pastor better be a halfway decent teacher. If you are not, maybe you should question what you think is your call as a pastor. But not every teacher is a pastor. There are teachers who are not pastors. And you are, some of you are better teachers than some of us pastors are. Is that confusing? The pastor is a shepherd, captain, or leader of others. That's what got ahead of myself on First Peter, because I love to talk about that. I have a pastor's heart. Some of you, um, and there are roles, there are roles in which you can serve God effectively in the church, um, man, woman, or teenager, where you can be one who cares for others in a shepherding way. I was a youth pastor for almost 20 years. My shepherding role was for rowdy groups of teenagers in Southern Maryland at two or three, at two different churches. And I loved my shepherding role of kids and teenagers. And then again, um, teachers, instruction in the word of God, both factual and moral evaluation. Watch this. Authority comes from the scriptures, not from you, teacher. Authority comes from the scriptures, not from you, pastor. When the Bible says that Jesus taught the scriptures with authority, that's because he's Jesus. Our authority comes from the word of God, not from, not from these too many words that come out of our mouths as teachers or preachers. Amen? Well, Y'all said that a little too loud. All right, uh, next slide, please. So Paul shares these roles, but then he tells us why. This is where I get excited. Why they're so important. Because he says a couple things. He says a couple things pretty simply here. Really... Really, what he's saying here is, okay, guys, in verses 12 and 13, now it's time to go to work. That's really what Paul is saying in verses 12 and 13. We see, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Jesus gave you a spiritual gift so that you can go to work 
and build up and encourage people in the church, serving God and loving, loving God and serving people in his church. Churches exist for a reason. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't go to a church regularly or you're not a member of a church, you're missing something very important that God intends for you and your life. I don't say that because you have to be in my church. I say that because we are called to be in a church, using, exercising your spiritual gifts, serving the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ. But when you're working in your spiritual gifts and you're in a healthy church, and sometimes people say, Pastor, I see what goes on in your church, and I don't feel like I fit there. I say, well, what, is your, what do you think your spiritual gift is? They articulate that, or you've taken the spiritual gifts test, or you understand, and, and we talk about that. And I say, okay, well, let's find somewhere for you to serve in this body of Christ in your spiritual gift. Maybe we started, maybe you start a new ministry. Maybe God reveals to you how you are to serve in your church and in your community. Um, so, so don't run out just yet. We would like you to stay here. But maybe not, right? God might call you. You might, God might reveal this to you in your spiritual gifts. But, but, it's time to go to work, follower of Jesus. We can't call ourselves followers of Jesus and say, I don't need the church. I know that was, that was a provocative statement. You can write that down. I'll, I'll, I'll arm wrestle you on that one. Okay, so, and then he says, until we all, in verse 13, attain to the unity of the faith. Here it is, that theme, right? You're going to see spiritual gifts in action in the church, in unity and in love. Oh my goodness, when a church does that, there's no, there's no end to what God might do through that group of people. That, that's who I want us to be. Paul tells us who we should be. Every pastor will love uh, and I, it goes on here. I see a lot of love. I see you guys building each other up, using your spiritual gifts, serving both inside and outside the church. I see that here. That's why I'm still here. I haven't quit and you haven't fired me. But using your spiritual gifts, Paul says, friends, Paul says, it is, it is time to go to work, equipping, equipping the saints. Okay, and then next, he also says here in verses 13 and 14, it's time to grow. So, using your spiritual gifts, serving one another in the church, equipping each other. I'm pastor of the church. You have spiritual gifts that I don't have. You equip me. You build me up. I'm not just, I'm not just a long-winded guy standing up front on Sunday mornings. You have gifts that teach me. You have gifts that build me up and encourage me, and vice versa. The person, and, and I say this, and we're gonna, we'll see this later in 1 Corinthians and Romans. We talk about being part of the body. Man, if, if you're a part of the hand, and, and I've had some surgery on my hands lately, and if something's missing or something goes wrong, the whole hand is messed up. If the body of Christ is here, and you're supposed to be a part of this body, and you're missing in action, the body suffers because you're not here. You're important. You have value. And also God has a plan and a purpose for your life in his church. I didn't say that very poorly either. I don't know that I could repeat it, but I hope you got it. Okay, so, so Paul then says, he says it's time to grow up in verses 13 and 14. Um, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man and woman. He says to a mature man, complete. Time to grow up. Uh, 
maturing and growing in our faith so that we are using our spiritual gifts in the most effective manner for the glory of God to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. All right, mouthful there. But he also says, verse 14, as a result, okay, so he says, verse 14, not only... um, well, as, as a result, we are, so when you and I grow up, when we start growing up, we're no longer to be children. Oh, my. Oh, my. You ever heard someone say that in anger to someone else? You act like a small child. And you know, yeah, some of y'all grinning because somebody has said it to you, right? Yeah, me too. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, and craftiness of evil people. Listen, there's all kinds of false doctrine out there. And if we're not growing in the faith, growing in our faith and growing in our knowledge, sometimes we can get sidetracked. Sometimes it's not even heresy. Sometimes it's just silly arguments about stuff we shouldn't be arguing about. Remember chapter 3? We talked about tolerating, forbearing one another in our differences. Even in graffiti church, we may believe some things a little bit differently, and that's okay because we've determined what's important doctrine and we've determined how we're going to love one another and forbear one another. But sometimes when we act like children, we start fighting over these things and it disrupts the unity and love in the church. But it can also be false doctrine that leads people straight to hell. And there are false doctrines out there. There are people out there using the name of Jesus but not preaching the gospel. And people will listen and follow them and they will spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ because of it. And when you and I grow up, we recognize that. I don't want to get off on talking about false doctrine this morning, but one of the main things, if you're wondering, is what someone is saying to you or asking you to read is false doctrine. Usually somewhere along the line, and sometimes it's subtle, that's why we have to grow up in our knowledge as well, they'll mess with the deity of Jesus Christ somewhere along the line. Somewhere along the line, in their, in their stuff, and sometimes they hide it very well, they'll mess with the deity of Jesus Christ. It'll stop being about Jesus and start being about something else. Jesus won't be the only way. There'll be some other stuff added in there that you either have to do or give. And so, anyway, so by the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheme. So we have to be careful, God. This is why growing up in our faith is so important. Living in our spiritual gifts, being part of the church, and then... Next slide, please. Verses 14 through 16, he tells us what a healthy church is. Number six is the last one, by the way. Some of y'all say, yay. Said, one, verse 15, it's being done in love. Now we have, it's being done in unity and love. We're exercising our spiritual gifts, taking care of one another, shepherding the flock, building each other up, doing it in unity and in love. And here we go. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and we make up the body. I love this picture. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I know Anthony read the scriptures, but this is so important. This is what it looks like. This is what a healthy body of Christ looks like. This is very dangerous, but when I taught this to teenagers, I had this big old piece of paper, and I would lay it on the floor, and I would have one of my big guys lay down on the paper like this, and I have some other kids draw an outline of him on the paper with magic markers, and it would, you know, fingers and hands, toes, and all that. 
and we called him Spiritual Guy. And then we put Spiritual Guy up on the wall, right? And then throughout our discussion, the kids could go up and they could write spiritual gifts on Spiritual Guy. And, and again, it's teenagers, right? We had to be, it got out, it got out of hand sometimes. But yeah, I know I did that. But not, but spiritual guy. This is what spir- a spiritually growing, healthy Christian in a healthy church looks like. This is what a healthy church should. This is who a church should strive to be: the body of Christ with Jesus at the head, in unity and love, exercising our spiritual gifts, building one another up. Amen.